mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighters Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. It's Tobin here with you for the next hour. We're into some mixed martial arts and boxing action. It's been a quiet couple of weeks in the sweet science and in MMA, but it's about to get real busy by next Saturday. So we have a lot of stuff we want to get into as far as uh, previews, predictions, breakdowns, and all that stuff. And we'll start off, of course, with next week in Las Vegas, the return of Manny Pacquiao to the squared circle as he's going to be taking on Adrian Broner. Um, and a lot of people look at this matchup as, you know, Pacquiao trying to set up a future matchup with Floyd Mayweather Jr. It was interesting enough this week while Manny was in L.A. doing a lot of media, doing a lot of promotion for this fight. Uh, there was a there was a moment at the Clippers Bucks games uh, Bucks game where Floyd Mayweather and Manny were both sitting across from each other on the floor. And it brought back memories of 2015 when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were at a Heat Bucks game uh, across from each other on the floor, and that actually led to the first fight ever, ever happening. So it was uh, it was bringing up some some old memories of that, and and some cool memories as you know as as a fight that I've been wanting to happen for so long, and obviously didn't live up to what we hoped it would be. But uh, even still, it's going to be remembered probably on the negative side, but it will be remembered in the history of boxing that it all kind of started up down here, you know, for, for all the circling of the wagons these guys did with each other, for all the, uh, for all the talk and, and debate that went into this matchup, it all had this, 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 this little, uh, this little nugget that it was started here. You know, it, it really, when they actually got the ball rolling, those two's actually talking for the first time about this fight, making it happen, making it a reality. He bucks, it, uh, it'll go down. So, just a fun little local tie-in. Now, as far as the Adrian Broner and Manny Pacquiao matchup, we had Adrian Broner in the lead-up to this fight. He is training down here in West Palm Beach. Um, even more so, actually, like in, in, in Royal Palm Beach, Wellington kind of area. And he is uh, he's training with Kevin Cunningham. He's trying to uh, to get this win. It would mean a lot for his career. You know, he's only 29 years old. To, to beat a guy like Manny Pacquiao, who people still look upon as as very credible and i think what the difference of adrian broner is if he were to get this win as opposed to a jeff horn for example um you know ab already has a very big following i don't think it's one of these things where this would be people being introduced to adrian broner it just feels like anytime he's gotten to the big stage he's fallen short if it if it's come down to a big matchup whether it was marcus Maidana, paula malinaji Jesse Vargas, Sean Porter, all these matchups where uh, Mikey Garcia, uh, these matchups as of late for him when he's really been in that 147 range, it really it, it hasn't panned out to him uh, being as good as people thought he was going to be. And whether that's just being in this weight class is too much, it's biting off too much he can chew, whether it's he lost his roots and wasn't the offensive output fighter, the dynamic slugger that people thought that he was going to be, um, trying to be almost a, a carbon copy of, of Floyd Mayweather. This matchup 
against Manny, if he could get this win, he's only 29 years old. If he is able to notch a win and if he's able to be impressive, um, there's a lot of boxing left for this guy in his career. There's a lot of things that I think a Manny Pacquiao win can do for you. It can really vault because for Manny, if we were to look back at the fights he's lost, and since that that infamous Tim Bradley loss where he was robbed, he's had 10 fights. He's 6-4 and four in those fights. And one of those is the Mayweather fight, very lopsided loss. One of those is the Marquez fight, which is one of the best fights you'll see, an absolute firefight. But he ended up, you know, flat on his face on the canvas. It's a, it's a, it's one of those those one shot knockouts, one of the best of all time in boxing. And then the other two you look at and you say, well, you got the Tim Bradley loss and you got the Jeff Horn loss, and both of those were very controversial losses. Both of those were looked upon as robberies, and Jeff Horn took that shine of the Manny Pacquiao win. He took on Terrence Crawford, and he got outclassed, and it, it wasn't so, – so this introduction to the world that Jeff Horn had as this guy from Australia who had only fought in Australia, he didn't really take advantage of it. You know, he, he had the win. It was controversial. Remember, Teddy Atlas was on the broadcast basically saying it was, it was a joke that he won to Jeff Horn's face. Um, but he couldn't do anything with that win. If Adrian were to get this win, if he were to beat Manny Pacquiao – um, because of his popularity of people just being intrigued by watching him, uh, whether it be win, whether it be lose, I do think that this this would be a very, very significant jumping off point for his career. It can and it almost start a second career for Adrian Brunner. You know, the question becomes though, can he get those wins? I mean, taking on a 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao, who's absolutely still dynamic. We saw this last fight with Lucas Matisse. Even though Matisse, uh, many say was a shell of himself. We saw a different type of Manny Pacquiao. He was broken away from Freddie Roach completely. He was taken on Boo Boy Fernandez. Uh, he was he was trained by Boo Boy Fernandez, and they really did seem like they they honed in that old school Manny Pacquiao as far as an attacker and kept and kept the foot on the gas. And one of the things that has really defined Manny Pacquiao in this second half of his career, where he wasn't blowing through people and and knocking them out, is. It almost felt like when Manny Pacquiao would get wins, and I thought this was a big thing in the Jeff Horn fight. If he, once he felt like he's had a fighter defeated and that he's made his point, he's let up. Doesn't want to be the violent guy. Doesn't want to be the guy who who destroys guys who are bigger than him. Break break orbital bones, knock guys down, take away their spirit, finish the job. He hasn't been that guy, um, and I, I do think that's been a, a a mentality thing for him. It's not trying to take credit away from his opponents. I'm, I'm really looking upon an all-time great and feel there's been a shift. When you saw Manny Pacquiao on the rise, it's a guy that would just keep flooring you and flooring you and flooring you until you just couldn't take anymore. Um and I don't I don't feel like I don't feel like that that guy's been there for a while, but I feel like we saw flashes of that in the Lucas Matisse fight. The other thing that I think a lot of people have mentioned and I, and I do agree with this is the punch output. How if you're Adrian Broner, can you make yourself elusive enough to get the benefit of the doubt on judging with Manny Pacquiao. He throws a lot of punches. He is an aggressor. He's a very judge-pleasing fighter um, for the most part. When he's been caught slipping, when when judges have been able to lean toward this, this has happened a lot in the, in the Marquez fights. This happened a bit with the Jeff Horn fight. Um, almost in different styles, though. But if you can appear like you're getting the more damaging shots on Manny as opposed to 
his output, which is always going to be more. You know, you get very, you get dazzled by the in, the out, the different angles, the number of fight, the the number of punches that he throws. Can can Adrian find a place to do two things? Can he bully Manny Pacquiao up against the rope so he's not flying all over the place, or can he get big counter shots that stop Manny in his tracks and make the judges say that one was worth more than Manny's six or seven? If he could do that, then. I don't know if the punch output thing is going to be as big a problem as most people think it would be. But it's easier said than done. This is Manny Pacquiao we're talking about. We're talking about one of the best of all time. We're talking about a bona fide Hall of Famer, a legend. I mean, few few guys you could you could say in this sport are you could say many are all-time greats. You could say a, a bunch of champions. How many can you say are are, are living legends? That's what this guy is. The, the brand uh, states for itself. Manny Pacquiao is one of the most popular fighters of all time and one of the most one of the most entertaining fighters of all time. People like watching Manny Pacquiao fight. So I think judges fall into that. I think judges can can get lured in by that. This is this is the guy. This is the stage. And the other thing with with Adrian is he's not. He's he's kind of he's kind of the bad boy on the streets. He's the guy who um talks a lot of bleep in a lot of trouble, doesn't seem like he takes it that serious. Um, you know, will air hump his opponents if he gets behind them in a second. Like, there's a lot of histrionics. There's a lot of clowning with Adrian Broner. Um, and I don't know if he can afford that. I don't know if he can afford that in this fight with these kind of stakes, with with people already leaning towards the A-side so much on this. You know, this is Manny's first fight with Al Heyman. This is his first fight with PBC. They want to do more business with with him. This is just kind of a first introduction. So, can can Adrian? What can he do in this fight to not be the doormat? To not be the guy who allows this stuff to happen? Because everything seemingly is working against him in this. Um, it's gonna be fascinating. It's gonna be a fascinating matchup as far as what type of guy you're gonna see from Adrian Broner. Because I do think that you know Manny with with it does feel like after that last fight i don't care so much about the competition because i do focus on what we saw from him from his standpoint he did look revitalized man he did look like he had a little bit of that that old school manny pacquiao that has been missing for so long a little bit of a twinkle in his eye um and i i don't know if that guy can be beat i don't i don't know with with the with the matchup that's coming in here with this it feels like manny pacquiao is going to be able to rack up a lot of rounds does he finish adrian broner we have seen adrian broner finish by um we have seen him put on the canvas we don't see him get stopped you know this is a guy his three losses in his career are all by decision he's lost to mikey garcia he's lost to sean porter he's lost to marcos maidana maidana uh did put him on the canvas in that fight um does manny become the first guy to stop him i don't think so uh i think adrian does make himself a small target it's just, I don't, I, you know, it, it, it's just, it's it's hard, it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to be able to be in these positions where he can, he can output Manny and, and really stop Manny and make Manny feel like it's a risk going inside, you know, and with that being the case, I don't see where his path to victory is. If he's not able to make Manny question going in there, dart in and out with the number of punches that he throws, 
where is his path to victory? It's, 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 it's very hard for me to see it. If he does win, man, it's a significant moment for his career, and it would be somewhat of a cool story. The other thing with Adrian that, that can't be ignored is he's got a lot of stuff that's going on outside the ring, and, and you know, he's got a court case that's literally starting the Monday after this fight. He's got multiple ones pending. Um, you know, had some some clown stuff that was going on in camp that was put on social media. And I would hope that with the what this is, is this is the biggest fight of your life, that all that stuff can be shut out. You know, with, with Tyson Fury, he had a lot of the the off or out of the ring problems, the drug use, the controversy, all of that stuff. And he put all that stuff to bed. You know, it was he's either not gonna talk about it, he's not gonna think about it, it wasn't gonna be an issue, and almost spun the narrative in his story. Uh, for people supporting him. And Adrian, it's like, you know, he's got all these court cases. TMZ every single week has got a story about legal trouble that he's been in with. Um, you know, messing with CVS cashiers in Palm Beach County. It's like, you know, you don't want to see that stuff when you're talking about the biggest fight of his career. And with Manny, it seems like this guy's training like 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 he's he really does want to go get that Mayweather fight again. That he does want to get another shot at being at the top. So you talk about Manny Pacquiao, who's who's been at the biggest stages, seems like none of that stuff affects him. Um, he's kind of the same no matter what. With Adrian, it's like you would you would hope that because there is this grand divide of when he gets to the big fight, he comes up short, and a lot of it has to do with stuff that's going on around him. You'd hope a lot of that stuff would, would, would go by the wayside. There would be none of that leading up to this fight, and there has been. So that also has me worried if, uh, about talking about his chances going into this bout with Manny Pacquiao. When we come back, UFC is going to start up on ESPN this week. they got a hell of a card going on in Brooklyn. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. It's Tobin here with you. Fighters Fury on The Ticket. So the UFC is going to be starting up their era on ESPN this week. They got Henry Cejudo, TJ Dillashaw live from Brooklyn. It is going to be on ESPN Plus. Uh, an interesting championship matchup. Uh, if you guys have been listening to this show, this one's going to be taking place at Flyweight. And I haven't really been into the idea of TJ Dillashaw going down to Flyweight to go just get another title. Just seemed weird to me, especially now that the... Uh, flyweight divisions and in, in in a really weird spot like the 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 real history behind this was he wanted to go down to fight Mighty Mouse Johnson and I just didn't see the great point in it like if they were going to do that matchup I wanted it to be Mighty Mouse going up to try and see if the all-time flyweight can go up and wait and get another title the idea of the bantamweight champion going down to flyweight to get a championship it's just weird to me it just doesn't have the same allure like for the longest time you know john jones being the longest reigning heavyweight champion there's a lot there's, there's a reason why people have been peppering him to go to heavyweight for years they've wanted to see john jones against even bigger guys and seeing if he could translate those skills to becoming heavyweight champion of the world and i bet that he would um, because John's more skillful than any heavyweight out there right now. The only thing that they would really have on him is size and force and more knockout power, you would assume. 
Um, the matchup is a little bit different to me now because it didn't feel like TJ was so desperately going to get the Demetrius Johnson fight. Um, and the other thing that's interesting about it is, is like, look, I realize how hard cutting the weight is, but that's the one thing. It always makes me nervous when the weigh-in is going to be a bigger story than the fight. And TJ Dillashaw versus Henry Cejudo, both of these guys, it feels like they would fight a lot better at 135. You get a better fight. The fact that Henry Cejudo is a flyweight champion who's had trouble making weight, always been a thing around his career. He's got a giant dome. Um, it's never been easy for him to make the flyweight limit. He's now the the 125 champion after beating Mighty Mouse by a razor-thin margin. And he's taking on TJ Dillashaw, who's never made 125 in any sport, in any weight class. And it doesn't feel like that's... It just feels like you're going to snatch this status. You know, there's been some talk this week about uh, Amanda Nunes going uh, down to 125 to fight Valentina Shevchenko. And I'm just like, why? What's the point? I mean, just to show that she can beat girls that are smaller than her? And she's already beaten Shevchenko as, as close as those fights were at 135. You're hoping that all right, if this thing goes down, she's going to be so diminished that maybe it's more of a fair fight or she's just going to be beating up people who are smaller than her. It's just, all of it to me is just weird. Like, I, I, I get the idea of going up in weight and taking on that challenge and taking on naturally bigger people. That has a lure to it. That is a challenge to it. Um, you also maybe not aren't, aren't going to be as diminished by the weight cut, so maybe your skill set, you're going to be able to hold on to some cardio Um endurance and things like that but this idea that these guys are going to be sweating their bodies out drawing every natural resource that they can to make that weight and then the the there's two things that can happen here all right it's either going to be henry cejudo beating tj dillashaw bully for him but he doesn't get a new belt in a, in a division we don't really know what the future is or tj goes and wins this belt over henry cejudo who's been the champion for five seconds at, at, at flyweight. It doesn't have the same allure as Amanda going to beat this entity, this this absolute franchise at, in Chris Cyborg. He's not going to beat Mighty Mouse Johnson at 125. He's not beating the longest reigning flyweight champion at 125. And then on top of that, it's like, all right, now what do we do with this division? So, you know, now the champion's been wiped out. And seemingly guys are getting released. I just don't get the point of it. You know, if, if Henry were to win the flyweight championship and that would have been it, he beat Mighty Mouse. He's the last guy to do it and they can move on. He's better at bantamweight anyway. At least there's just a future there. You put another contender at bantamweight. That's great. He can maybe go win another belt. You get another rivalry started there. You put some fresh blood. Um, that can add with Cody Garbrandt, who's lost twice to TJ, or or um, or Marlon or Marlon Marias, or something like that, you know. But this weird setup at 125, it's just just strange to me. So, out of all these people who have won two belts, Connor, GSP, Daniel Cormier, Amanda Nunes, you know, back in the day, of course, it was Randy and, and BJ. But of this modern era of guys being double champions. This one just kind of falls the most flat. It's just like, all right, TJ Dillashaw beat Henry Cejudo. 
but he could have beaten him at 135 if he if we wanted to, and we probably would have gone a better fight. Now maybe the fight will turn out to be awesome, and I'll leave my words. But I don't know. Just this whole this whole thing with with TJ Dillashaw wanting to go down to 125. I've never jived with it. It's never been something that's captivated me that much. On paper, the fight's fantastic. I, I can't wait to see what this matchup turns into. TJ Dillashaw's arguably the most well-rounded fighter. That's not John Jones in the in the sport. Between the the versatility he brings with his striking, between his takedowns, um, he's fantastic. And that's a that's a pretty crazy thing to talk about TJ Dillashaw, who at one point won a championship with the longest odds against him in UFC history. That's the kind of road this guy has had. Nobody thought that he was going to beat Hendon Burrell back in the day. And now you're talking about him being not only the staple at 135, but then being a 125 champion. So, look, I acknowledge that career has come a long, long way. It's just the the stakes around this one are a lot weirder. I wish I didn't have to go into Friday crossing my fingers and toes that these guys are both going to make weight. And it's and it's weird that I even think that the challenger, he's probably going to make weight easier than the champion is. But so what? It's like once this happens, you're going to put the death nail at flyweight, and that's it. It's over. But he's not doing it by beating the greatest of all time at this division. He's being a guy who's one-and-one with that guy in a razor-thin decision in in one of those fights. So, I don't know. Um, The other big news on this fight is, of course, the debut of Greg Hardy. And I got to tell you, you know, I I had the card out today, and I was looking at it. I'm a little surprised that Greg Hardy is so high on this card. Um, I would have figured he was going to be, like, the opener on the main card. I, I get you want him on the main card because Greg Hardy brings eyeballs to be a lot of people. Wanted to tune into the circus, and I'm not going to look. I'm not going to sit here on this radio show and tell you that I'm not standing and watching Greg Hardy because, to be honest with you, I've turned into Dana White's contender series a total of two times, and both of them have been for Greg Hardy's cards because I want to see what is this guy going to This guy who was an all pro NFL defensive lineman, what is that going to be like coming into the octagon? And those are the cards I've tuned into. No, you know what? I did tune into the dude with the one arm. Uh, I tuned into his fight too. But other than that, like two out of three, the only reason I'm tuning into Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series has been to watch Greg Hardy fight. So I realize that there's an attraction there, and I would guarantee that the most streamed Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series were the Greg Hardy cards. It's going to it's gonna be interesting because the UFC is going to have this grand coronation this week of – being on ESPN, you heard, I don't know if you guys heard the promos beforehand where Dana was like, nobody believed in us, and now we're on ESPN, mother bleepers. Eat it. It's like, all right, cool. But a lot of the reason that you weren't taken upon as mainstream was because people kind of looked upon this sport as a freak, that this was just un, this was just sanctioned, barbaric violence that was just too savage for television. And the fact that you're putting in your co-main event, a bit of a freak show, I don't know how much that deters from that. You know what I mean? On top of the fact that, look, the reason Greg Hardy's so polarizing is because of his past with the NFL, with the domestic violence stuff. Not only that, on this same card, you have Paige Van Zant fighting Rachel, Rachel Ostevich, who has just had a domestic violence incident with her husband. And they're keeping that fight on the card. 
when you didn't even know she was going to fight because she had like broken orbital bone, beaten with ribs and all that stuff. Just think it sets up for a nasty, a nasty week of publicity for this sport. And a lot of people just getting mad. I'm not saying Greg Hardy shouldn't fight in the UFC. I think the dude got his chance in the NFL. He got his second chance in the NFL. The damn Dallas Cowboys signed him after all this stuff went down. And he bleeped it up with a, with a bunch of other stuff. So I'm not saying Greg Hardy doesn't deserve a chance to go work. You know, if the UFC wants to give him this opportunity, I know there's been a lot of people with some gnarly pasts who have gotten into the boxing ring, who have gotten into a cage. It's not that. It's just what this week I think should stand for for the UFC if they want to really open themselves up as here we are, world. We're, on, we're accepted by ESPN now, Disney, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is writing us checks now. And also, this is who's in our co-main event. It's just interesting. You know, I don't know if I would have taken that tactic if I was the UFC, that this is the first route I'm going to go is having Greg Hardy in my co-main event. It's, I guarantee it's going to bring a lot of eyeballs. And maybe that's all they care about. You know, they want this to be a bang. They want a lot of people to tune in. But... I, I wonder how many of those people are going to stick on for the ride because of Ostevich being on the same card as Greg Hardy and all that stuff. Because, look, even Greg Hardy's acknowledged this is going to be part of the story forever. Dana White's acknowledged this is going to be part of the story forever. His past, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, look, once Greg Hardy even gets to, let's say, let's say Greg Hardy, unbelievable as a fighter, unbelievable, ousted from the NFL, um, you know, living in the dorms in Coconut Creek, nothing. Real fighter's life, just nothing. Training from the bottom, learning this new sport. Let's say he gets to that level of he's a top five fighter, maybe even gets to a championship level. Are people going to be rooting for that? I don't know. Are they going to be rooting against it? I don't know. It's going to be interesting seeing what that fallout is this week, but I got a feeling this week is going to turn pretty toxic because of this. And I don't think your first week at ESPN should be justifying having a fighter on its first card. And you know there's going to be that situation where this is going to be the talking point. Dana White's going to be paraded through the car wash left and right, left and right. And you're coming out of the gates with, hey, yeah, we got this all-time fighter in TJ Dillashaw who might be one of the best to ever do it, and he's going to fight a flyweight. But we also have this, a guy who's got four professional fights. Does he even have that? Three professional fights? Um, He's in the co-main event. What does it say? What does it say about the sport and where it's standing right now? You know? But, look, Greg Hardy comes in there and he keeps knocking mother bleepers out. I do think that there's going to be an audience for that. I do think that people are going to be interested in watching that dude fight because of everything that goes around it. Because I've seen, you know, his two fights in the Tuesday Night Contender Series. Dude is fast. Dude has knockout power. He is shockingly athletic. Uh, We haven't really seen him tested in the whole wrestling realm and what's going to happen when a dude tries to take him down and what's going to happen when he gets dragged into those deep waters. We don't know those answers yet. But... As far as seeing that 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 athleticism that made him an all-pro defensive lineman and being able to put hands on some people, 
Yeah, we've seen that. That that is definitely there. That that vicious knockout power looks like it's a real real thing. And talking about a guy who was an All Pro in the NFL, which is full of the most athletic people in the world. Now you're tuning that to uh, finally tuning that into a, a fighter. Um, if it's done right, and you know that he's at an an All World gym, an American Top Team, that you know that that could be a very very scary thing if they craft that the right way. So we'll see what the coverage is going to be like this week. I think that's I think that's going to be an interesting thing to look out for. We'll get into some more of the card and a lot of the news and notes that have gone around in boxing and mixed martial arts when we're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Tobin here with you, taking you up until around 11 today. Greg Likens will come up after us. I want to uh, let our fight fans know this week on Tobin, Leroy, and Beast, which goes from 1 until 4, we have a Pacquiao Broner prize pack to give away. And I think that's basically a, uh, it's like a gift card to watch the fight. So that's kind of cool. Oh, man, I forgot to tell about this. So Steven Espinosa runs Showtime, right? He's a head of sports. He had himself a he had himself a doozy. So the price came out this week for Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner, and people are hearing that it's going to be seventy four dollars, seventy four ninety nine. Same thing that um, hell's it called? Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury uh, cost. I know, just hit my bill. And this dude comes out. And he's just like, Manny Pacquiao versus Adrian Broner. It's going to be $74.99 pay-per-view. Espinosa retweets it with comment. Not accurate. Then this account tweets to him, $74.99. Steven has published on the Showtime app. Screenshots the Showtime app with the price on it. Espinosa responds, and this one's a doozy. I mean, this is a comeback. $64.99 suggested retail price for standard definition. Some operators add on an additional $10 for HD. Some don't. One, they all do. I haven't met one that doesn't. And second of all, how dare you slap me in the face with the standard definition option? Steven Espinoza, how dare you? even suggest I will watch a fight in standard definite I'll watch it in standard definition if I'm pirating it if I'm stealing it then I'll watch it in standard definition but if I'm gonna pay my hard-earned money you have the audacity to slap us boxing fans in the face by suggesting you're offering a discount for standard definition are you crazy? Look, I know you get to watch every fight ringside, so it's not really on your radar. Your ass is going to be there front row to watch Pacquiao versus Broner. But the idea that you would act like we're all just a bunch of knuckleheads and that we're going to sit here and be like, I could really save a pretty penny if I watch it in fuzzy standard definition. I don't even have myself one of them confounded HDTVs. I got rabbit ears still on. 
In fact, I put extra tinfoil on it, that there television, and I could get a real good, don't even got squiggly lines or, lines or nothing. What, what, are you, what are you doing, Steven Espinoza? What, 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 a, what a slap in the face that is. Oh, pfft. it's not $74.99, it's $64.99 just in standard division. Why don't you just sell me a car with two wheels? Standard definition. Are you high? Who the hell would who volunteer? I, I walk into this television studio every day with disgust that I have to watch people's faces in standard definition. And those are some ugly people I got to watch. Could you imagine I voluntarily have to watch sports in standard definition? What are you, crazy? Who's wanted to do that? I'm out. Standard definition. I mean, I watched... I watched Tyrone Spong's last fight uh, two weeks ago from Suriname in HD. And you're telling me I got to watch a man... You're, you're offering me the option of a Manny Pacquiao fight in standard definition. You are crazy. And you look sheepish. And you look embarrassed. Trying, trying to pull an old fast one on the boxing fans. Oh, no, 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 no. Did I say $74.99? I got this, I got this special price here, man, for this standard def. You might as well just lo- walk over to me, Steven Espinoza. Open your trench coat, and it should be full of fake Rolexes. What are you doing, man? What kind of an offer is that to people? Well, I got this, uh, I got this bootleg version. What what is it? What are you what what is the $64.99? Is that you FaceTiming us from ringside? Is that the standard? Do they even make standard definition cameras anymore? How are they even broadcasting it still in standard def? I thought that would have gone way, you know, would have just gone away like VHSs or DVDs or CDs. They're still doing that? I couldn't believe that. That was crazy to me. Shame on you, Steven Espinoza. Shame on you and shame on, shame on, how are you not that tied in? Where you say, oh yeah, yeah, $74.99, but you get to watch one of the best fighters of all time. That's our price for 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 pay-per-view these days. That's fine. There's no shame in that. Not a hundred. Not like these crazy people. It's not a Floyd Mayweather fight. 75. Although you still probably owe a lot of people money for that, for that class action lawsuit that's going on with uh with Mayweather versus Pacquiao. $64.99 for standard definition. Get the hell out of my face, man. Jesus. Anyway, we got some news. Speaking of Wilder versus Fury. Which just hit my uh, DirecTV bill. Frank Warren, who is Tyson Fury's promoter, he has said that the rematch is going to be in the U.S., likely in the first half of 2019, and he believes that Vegas is the most likely spot. He said, quote, Vegas would be one of the options. I don't want to go back to California. I didn't like working with their commission. There were a lot of things that uh, we didn't like there. And some people have suggested that Frank Warren and Tyson Fury weren't going to come back to America for this fight because of the judging. But one of the crazy things is, I think one of the UK judges had one of the most questionable scorecards in their mind. So I don't really know if they can stand on a leg there with uh, with how things played out with the crazy cards. You know, the one that ended up in a draw was a British judge. I thought Tyson Fury edged out that fight. I thought it was a close fight because of the knockdowns. 
Um, and I thought that he got the win. The one that had it lopsided for Deontay Wilder, that person, I don't know what kind of crack they're smoking. It must be good. They shouldn't be smoking that crack before scoring a fight. But hey, every once in a while, you can't, you can't, you can't help when you smoke crack. That person smoked crack before scoring a, a boxing match. Just happened to be for the heavyweight championship of the world. So, this guy, Frank Warren, is like, ah, we don't want to work with the, the commission. Look, this fight belongs in Vegas. This is the heavyweight championship of the world that people care about. I don't know what matchup Anthony Joshua can come up with that will have this much buzz, whether it be against Dillian White, whether it be against Jarrell Miller. I like both of those fights. I'm not trying to poo-poo those. I think Anthony Joshua versus Jarrell Miller or Dillian White is an awesome fight. I pff, Sign me up. But it's not going to have the storyline that this fight has. It doesn't have the controversy around it that this fight has. And most of all, right now, I think these are the two heavyweights people care about the most because of the controversy, because it got memed, because we saw Tyson Fury get turned into The Undertaker. Because of the comeback stories, because of the charisma behind these guys, I think there's a lot of care behind these two fighters. And the and the, and the move that Anthony Joshua needs to do, this is what I would do, because I know he's going to be fighting on DAZN, which, is, uh, which you can get in HD, by the way, every month for $9.99. You don't have to spend $64.99 for standard def, Steven Espinoza. Good God. Um... I would have Anthony Joshua fight stateside for the next bout. And there was rumors, according to Dillian White, that AJ was going to be fighting Jarrell Miller at Madison Square Garden in the spring. I think that's a genius move. It looks like Wilder versus Fury is going to be in the second quarter. So that's April. If they're fighting in April, you should also fight in April. Line it up right there with these guys. Do it a week. I would do it a week beforehand. Whatever whatever they, whatever they, you learn, and I got to imagine through back channels, Eddie Hearn knows when they're aiming for this. Let's say, you know, it's the middle of April. You fight the week beforehand. You get a leg out in front. You promote the hell out of it. You're the real champ. You're the, you're, you got the most belts. And you put forth whatever great performance you can put on. And... Let people know going into that week who the guy is. Because here's the reason why. A lot of the storyline that week, if you if you put it too far away, is going to be about the scorecards and Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder and all that stuff. But if you get out in front of it, if you're Anthony Joshua and you fight in America and you fight a guy who's charismatic like Jarrell Miller and you fight a guy who who is unique in style and stature and, and I think people will care about that fight. If you get out in front and you go and beat Jarrell Miller, well, then that next week, all the questions are about you. And you've taken the steam out of that rematch as far as it just being about the rematch. It's not just about the rematch anymore. It's about Anthony Joshua and the next fight being against him. So I'm sure Eddie Hearn, smart dude, I'm sure he's thinking that up as well. But that would be my move if I was... AJ's promoter I would do everything in my power to make sure that my fight was the week before Wilder Fury 2 so not only are you lined up for your opponent and you guys are on the same timeline for a fight 
but also you take away that narrative of it just being about those two guys for the only title that matters. Because if you fight after, and these guys fight another classic, and then you have the guy, two things can happen. It could either be about a trilogy, and your next fight can get overshadowed, or, or it's so good, Tyson Fury gets it, now he's the guy in Britain. Or Deontay Wilder gets it, and he gets that cemented legacy thing. That's all about him. Your fight against Jarrell Miller is just not going to have the same steam. It's not going to have the same steam either way, but at least you getting a win the week beforehand is going to be infiltrated into that week of Wilder versus Fury 2. So just one thing to keep in mind. One other thing happened this week as far as some uh, some some trash talk bleep that was uh, was going down. Now, Paulie Malignaggi versus Conor McGregor is a storyline I'm getting a little tired of. Quite frankly, I don't want to see Conor McGregor box again. I wanted to see it a one-time deal. Could he land that left hand on Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match? He did not. He hit one sweet uppercut against him. Other than that, was uh, was just hanging around for 30 minutes before, ran out of gas, and Floyd was peppering him. But... One of the secondary stories in this in this Mayweather McGregor lead up was Paulie Malignaggi being one of his sparring partners. You know, just to do it for the experience. And these guys have been going back and forth nonstop. It's like the only time you see Paulie Malignaggi's name is when it uh, has to do with Conor McGregor. Tired of it. So there were rumors this week by a Twitter account that said that negotiations were going on between Conor and Paulie Malignaggi. Malignaggi denied it the next day saying that uh, it was just a thing because the tension Nasukawa public negotiations with Connor kind of got shot down immediately. And so Connor comes out with this big statement and it's saying things like, let the record show I like Paul Malinaji. And it was a video of them confronting each other. I told him in his face, quote, don't be bitching. It's common knowledge. Uh, I would think for a fighting man, don't be a bleep, 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 bleep. Uh, the same thing I said to uh, to Khabib at the end of round three, my round. Don't be bitching. Every single round, complaining to the referee. He was complaining in the fourth round about malposition. It baffled me. If anyone should have been saying anything to the referee, it would have been me in the first round that he held on to my leg for four minutes with zero activity. So this got a lot of people going because they think O'Connor is denying what he said in the Khabib fight that it's only business. And there's this infamous clip that had come out in the in the fallout of the fight of Connor telling Habib it's only business. But that was at the end of round two. The thing that has to be pointed out with this is he said that he told Khabib, don't be bitching, at the end of round three. So we don't have that mic'd up. That clip has not come out. I'm sure UFC could scrounge for it and find it out. But it's also come out and Pauli Malignaggi then is coming out with video saying, no, no, you didn't say that. You said this. But again, Connor makes it clear he's saying that in round three. Everyone's going to say, oh, no, Connor's now denying that he said it's only business. He's not saying that. You guys got to keep up with the details. But Khabib comes out, and he says that you are going to live with this shame all of your life with a picture of him tapping him out, hashtag tap machine, hashtag McTapper, which is a funny nickname. Either way, uh, that's circling about. These guys are uh, are talking a lot of trash. And... 
Look, we've talked about this on the show since this fight happened. I don't think the rematch should happen next between Conor and Khabib. Um, Khabib dominated that fight. He won every facet of that fight, even the striking. He had the best punch of that fight. Conor needs to get himself a win. I don't want to hear any nonsense about him boxing Paulie Malignaggi. He needs to go fight somebody like Dustin Poirier, or he needs to go fight Tony Ferguson, even though I think Tony Ferguson deserves a shot. Fight uh, Donald Cerrone. Donald Cerrone's fighting this week coming up on ESPN. Fight him after that. He needs some kind of fight. He needs a win and then get himself back in line with the title because he does not deserve a title shot right now. It's not what he's in line for. I know he's the big name, and that's always going to elevate you to the front of the line, but I really do think he needs a, a victory in his pocket for people to be fired about him fighting again, especially a guy who kicked his ass over four rounds. Everybody have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you guys same time, same place next week right here on Fighters Fury.